All right, good evening. Welcome back, hopefully back, to the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. Today is June 29th. It's a Saturday. My favorite day of the week. Why is that? Well, let me tell you. Actually, I'm not going to go into that. I think it's pretty obvious. No work for me. Um, just fun. A little podcast day. And that's it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, tonight, this is the third episode of the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the history of Tilt Wheel. And I've been in the band Tilt Wheel for a little over 27 years, uh, which is a pretty gnarly thing to say, uh, just because there are people that come to our shows and people in bands that we play with that we are the band is itself is actually older than them and that's super super weird uh well it would be an i want to party with bob podcast pop podcast yeah that's good without me burping at least once so i gotta keep up with tradition i guess <clears throat> anyways i am definitely coffeeed up and ready to talk um yeah it's my saturday tradition it seemed like the last few weeks well it's been a saturday tradition for me to like get some good coffee and get a little crazy in the head um, from that coffee and talk about stuff I like to talk about. So here we are. <coughs> Back to Tilt Wheel. Now, we formed in March of 1992. Uh, a friend of mine named Damon Way knew that I played drums um, I had been playing drums prior to that in a band called Caress. A fabulous name, by the way. Do you remember the soap, Caress? I think it was named after the soap. I don't know. You'd have to ask Mark Hostetter. He's the guy who started that band. Uh, anyways, they ended up kicking me out of the band because I was, like, pretty much an idiot then. Well, like, far, far more of an idiot then than I am now. I, I hope at least, you know, I don't know. Maybe I hope I'm... I'm better now than I was then. I, I'm sure I, I am, actually. Yep. Yep. Um, so, anyway. God dang. You know what? I got to. I got it. Okay. I have to pause for a second because the last podcast I did, I said anyways. So, anyways. So, anyway. I said it a million times. And that that's just. I, I got. I have to stop that. Should I take like a public speaking course or something like that you know leave a comment on the webpage i'm sure there's like one or two of you that listen to this thing so tell me what you think it's great constructive criticism is good um, yeah so just let me know okay good anyhow see i changed it i didn't say any ways i said anyhow I have to have a bridge word. That's that's probably my biggest problem. And I'm really just going on about absolutely nothing right now. So to continue, the the band Tilt Wheel we formed in March of 1992. A, an old friend of mine, Damon Way, uh, who I'd known for a couple years prior to Tilt Wheel forming, wanted to start a band. And his idea was he wanted a band, like kind of a pop punk band. He was really into Big Drill Car, and so was I. I love Big Drill Car to this day, and, and Damon did. And Green Day, I, you know what? Before March of 1992, I had never heard Green Day. 
and that is the weirdest thing ever because they were right up my alley at the time. Uh, and even now, I still love Green Day. It, Damon said, you know, oh, check this band out. You know, this is kind of a sound I'm going for. And I was like, okay, whatever. It, he gave me a tape of Green Day of the first record, the first 7-inch. What was it, like 1,000 Flowers or something? And then I think Kerplunk was out, too, and he gave me a copy of that, and I instantly fell in love. So I liked what he wanted to do as a band. And, yeah, so we went to the bass player's house, gentleman by the name of Aaron Regan. Um, this is in Escondido, by the way, where I grew up and... Uh, you know, Escondido's a total just kind of a pit, I think is a good way to describe it. I don't know. It's not that bad of a place. But anyway, it's an interesting place. Uh, Aaron lived in the south part of Escondido his, at his parents' house. Aaron was a kid, man. I think he was only 19 or 20. I'll have to ask him because I really don't remember. Excuse me for a month. Yeah, tonight is brought to you by um, Asahi Dry, by the way. That's the, the come down after the coffee part. Uh, also, you know, lubricates my vocal cords a little bit, so that's a, kind of a good thing, I guess. Kind of takes that rough edge out of my voice that I have, you know, sometimes. <coughs> and I am a little bit sick, so I apologize if I cough here and there. So... Aaron was our bass player. I don't know where Damon knew him from. I, I never really got that story straight. Uh, he knew another dude. I think his name was Chuck. He was a skater from Vista. Now, the, here's a quick aside. on Damon was a, like a, a, one of the Vista dudes, a Vista skater dude. Vista produced some of the best skaters in the history of ever, in my mind. Mario Rublacaba, Mark Hostetter, uh, Danny Way, who's Damon's younger brother, Damon was on track to be one of the greatest skateboarders the world has ever seen. He got injured somehow. I'm not sure. The story that I've always heard is somebody punched him. He fell, hit his head on a curb. And after that, he lost some motor control part of his body. The really sad. I mean, he truly, Damon, you know, is a, in an insanely nice dude. Um, he, at that time, when he formed Tilt Wheel, he was behind uh, one of two guys behind DC Shoes and Drawers Closing, which at the time was kind of like big, baggy skater clothes. It was kind of popular, but that was that was his thing. Um, he, he got me and Aaron together, this dude Chuck, who was another Vista skater dude. I think a guy's name is Chuck, man. I swear to God, I can't remember exactly, and that kind of sucks for me because I just like have this weird weird memory where i can remember people's names that it doesn't matter even a tiny tiny bit who they are or their name like i remember the name of a guy who you know tried to sell me insurance one time or something like that you know it's, but anyway his name's chuck uh i believe so i'm just gonna call him chuck why not it works right hey i guess i don't know so we had a couple practices at Aaron's parents' house in, in the South Escondido. Aaron's parents are Irish, Irish Catholic, big house, big family. I think he has like six or seven brothers and sisters. But at the time, I believe it was Aaron, his younger brother, his younger sister, and maybe his older brother or older sister lived there or something. 
big place had a huge indoor racquetball court. And this is kind of key to, uh, you know, our start and also like the continued history of Tilt Wheel that we won't really talk about tonight. This is all about like the Damon years, you know. And by the way, you should be hearing some music in the background. And that's a recording that we did with Damon. I believe it's the only recording we ever did with Damon of just a few songs that hopefully is tantalizing your ear earbud ear holes whatever however you want to say it right now <coughs> gosh yeah i am definitely getting sick for the record but uh so we were record we started practicing in this place and i was a pretty weird dude back then compared to who i am now for sure like drum wise especially i i had a history not only was i in this band caress which was kind of like a punkish band kind of like a more I don't know, like melodic, kind of weird punk. I, it's, it's weird. I don't have any copies of the Caress music anymore. It's gone. I had like two cassette tapes of it and that got stolen out of my truck like years and years ago, and I've never gotten copies of it again. I don't know if it's online. It'd be interesting to hear because it was pretty interesting music. But prior to that, I was playing drums in metal bands and like really bad metal bands too for the record. Uh there's going to be a little bit more about that later. Any, anyhow, anyways, uh, we started practicing, and I, you know, I'm like I said, I was a weird drummer. I had like chimes, I had a china cymbal, uh, I had a big drum set. I had like three mounted toms, uh, like two crash cymbals, a china chimes, hi hat. I think I had a cowbell. Yeah, I was a, pretty much just a total idiot. And hey, I, I did want to say one thing too. You might notice, you know, my language has been pretty clean. I'll tell you why. My editorial management staff, which is my wife and son, uh, advised me that it might be good for me not to curse so much. And it wasn't my wife. It was actually my son, who's six years old, and he did not appreciate my language on the last two podcasts. So I'm trying to keep it clean. I'm sure some things will slip out. Because let's face it, I'm here to be real. I'm not here to pretend I'm somebody else. This is the I Want to Party with Bob podcast, not like the I Want to Sit and Discuss Literature with Robert podcast. So, practice. I think we practiced twice with a Stu Chuck and Damon and Aaron. And, you know, it was okay, whatever. It was cool. It wasn't anything special. Uh, eventually, I think after a couple times, the dude Chuck just stopped showing up. We called him like he wouldn't talk to us anymore. and I don't think he was really into it. Uh, Damon put flyers up around Palomar College, which is a community college in San Marcos, California. Uh, and a young fellow by the name of Davy Quinn answered the ad and said, yeah, I'll do it. And Davy showed up at one of the first practices we had with him and I instantly don't I don't want to say like I disliked the dude but I was like wow this guy's like loud and just blah 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 like talked a lot and he had like long hair and wore these crazy shorts that went almost down to his ankles and uh, but he had this rad guitar like a Dan Armstrong a clear a clear plastic guitar and he he was pretty pretty rad. I think his guitar playing was like whoa, like this dude's all right. So so we kept at it for a little bit. Davey um, and I also 
responded, I think, at like the second practice because Damon didn't want us to drink beer or drink at all during practice. He wanted it to be, you know, like, no, no, you don't, don't drink beer because we're trying to, like, write songs and, and do this band, you know. Me and David were like, well, fuck that. Like, like, dude, come meet me out by my truck. Let's go have some beers. So we would sneak beers out by my truck in the uh, parking area of the racket, indoor racquetball court. So, wrote a few songs. Um, you know, hadn't played any shows yet. This is like, you know, the spring of 1992. And, and for some reason, like, I decided, well, I don't really feel like playing drums anymore. So, I left my drums there, just didn't return their calls for a while. Um, one of my buddies wanted me to play drums in a metal band with him called Necromancer. Um, yeah, and this, you know what? <clears throat> this is where it starts getting kind of weird, man. That was a weird, weird time in my life. Uh, the little Necromancer kind of, like, uh, diversion in the path of my life was possibly one of the stupidest times of my entire life. I, I just, dude, I, I don't know what I was thinking, man. That band was the biggest joke and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk all the crap garbage that I can about these guys because a cup like one dude a couple dudes in the band were super cool and the rest just they wanted to just succeed and be rock stars and this one dude's dad was this giant prick and he was like I don't know, like this five foot tall ex-biker dude who just thought he could boss everybody around and you know hated me for some reason like I I guess some people don't like me you know and that's cool you can not like me all you want I I don't truly care that much but this dude just had it out for me like I didn't go to practice one night like we practiced like every night of the week and one night I'm like yeah man I'm tired I'm not gonna go and called him and said hey like I'm not gonna be there tonight I'm taking the night off this dude drove over to my house and started screaming and yelling, you're letting all these kids down there. Keep in mind, I was 22 years old. The other dudes were like 18 or 19. So he was acting like I'm some kind of elder or some bullshit. So, oh, I cursed. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, kid. Uh, so he started screaming. I was yelling back at him. And, I, dude, I swear to God, I was ready to choke this guy. Finally, he backed off. and that, But that was kind of it. I was like, all right, I'm done with these morons. You know, we played one show. There were like three people there. I mean, it, it was and it, the music just sucked so so bad. So I ended up bailing on that band. Um, eventually, I think Damon called me back. They had been playing with a drummer, this dude Mark, who became the drummer for a band called Pivot, who I also played in. It, that's another story for another time, however. And pretty funny story because they kicked me out yeah yeah that's it that's actually that's what i should definitely do a podcast about because you know look at us now i, I here we are uh pivot's still playing and living the pennywise dream and tilt wheels still playing living you know by i don't know the like um some kind of dream <coughs> we're doing all right anyways I'm happy. Everybody else seems to be happy. And you know what? That's what counts. So fuck everything else. Who cares? God, I cursed again. Anyways, I'm not really trying to keep track. It's just kind of happening, you know? So quit this Necromancer band. Damon called me back. Hey, 
you know, Mark had been playing drums for them. He quit or they didn't like playing with him or something. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll come play with you guys again. So then we got, it was November of 92 by that time. Then we started kind of to get more serious, started to write a bunch of songs, um, decided, well, let's record. I think we, you know, we had like six or seven or eight songs or something like that. Let's record. Now I had recorded once with, um, that caress, or actually I recorded twice with that caress band with a studio up in Santa Ana. And I believe it was called South coast recording or South coast recorders or something like that. Um, so I go, well, I know the studio, let's go, we'll book time and, and record up there. So we did. And hopefully if my audio editing skills are up to par here, you're, you'll be hearing those recordings playing in the background with Damon singing and that band at that point was like I said it's Damon singing Davey on guitar Aaron on bass and me on drums so I hope you're enjoying it by the way it's actually the music is pretty rad like I kind of am like wow like the songs are not that terrible considering like I was playing really slow and I didn't really like that but dude Davey like that dude's got it man that dude is on it so he always has been, too. That's one of the reasons why I love it. But regardless. Uh, so we recorded. And, you know, like I said, you're probably listening to it right now. That was in, like, January of 93, I believe. So we decided, well, all right, let's do a show, man. Let's book a show. And Davey, I think, I'm pretty sure Davey was up behind the first, the booking, the first show we ever played. That was at a place called Texas Tea House in Ocean Beach which is a beach neighborhood of San Diego. And that's pretty obvious if you say Ocean Beach. It's not like it's in the mountains or something, right? Yeah, 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 <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Hang on just a second. Just had to pause, man. You know what? You got to – the main thing about doing a podcast, the most important thing is stay hydrated because if you don't, you're going to peter out and the whole thing's just kind of going to go to hell real quick. So – that's my advice to aspiring podcasters since I'm so experienced with uh, three podcasts at this point. Um, sarcasm intended, regardless. Anyway, you see, I've changed anyways to regardless, which is like, why? Dude, I can't not say something. I can't not have that little bridge. It, there is something wrong with my brain. Well, I've been in Tilo for 27 years. There's got to be something wrong with my brain. That was like a little drum roll, cymbal crash. Okay, cool. So, first show, Texas Tea House in Ocean Beach, February of 1993, with a band called Puzzle Box from Poway, named after the Puzzle Box from the Hellraiser movie. Great movie, by the way. And uh, that was also with Unwritten Law, headlined the show. So, it was a gnarly, crazy show. It was our very first show. Damon invited all of his friends. I invited, like, all two of the friends that I had at the time, and I don't think they even showed up. Um, like I said, it was kind of an odd time in my life, you know? Uh, so there were a ton of people there and we played and everybody loved it. Oh, great. Yay. Unwritten law was gnarly. Puzzle box was great. We didn't sound very good. I don't think because I kind of got some feedback in the direction that, uh, you know, we were pretty horrible, but that's cool. We had a great time. You know, Davey and I got pretty drunk out by my truck and in the bar. And, uh, yeah, good time. So um, I think we went back there for our second show. 
And that time, since it wasn't our first show, all of like five people showed up. And that's, you know, that was kind of when reality hit like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually like have to work at being a band, like building up like people that like your music and actually kind of have to be like a good band for people to come see you too, which, uh, excuse me, burp number two. Um, if you want people to come see you, you actually kind of have to be good. And I don't think we were very good at that point. Not really. You know, it, in my mind, yeah, we weren't very good. Um, and a lot of that was, I, and I'm not blaming like anybody at all. We were new. You know, I had been playing drums, I think, at that point for maybe three years. So I should have been probably a little bit better than I was. But, dude, I was into some truly, like, horrible music, man. I was into, like, yeah. Do you remember the band? There's a band that Pat Dubar from... Uh, Uniform Choice was on in Mindfuck. I got it. I nailed it. Good. See, I do have a memory for just the stupidest crap ever. Uh, Mindfuck. I was into that. I was into that stupid Infectious Grooves band, which the only good part of that whole record is that whole Sarsipius thing. And even though now when I think about it, dude, that shit's racist as hell, man. I Like, what do they... I don't know. I don't get it. The stuff that went on back then compared to now it, you know it's pretty ridiculous but regardless I was into some really really bad music I was getting better you know I got turned on to Green Day and I started listening to a few different things that um, Davey turned me on to but uh, you know again I did have a pretty strong background in like old punk stuff for sure like especially like old hardcore like Agnostic Front Cause for Alarm no that's not the, the Crumb Sucker sorry Cause for Alarm was the name of an Agnostic Front record Duh. So, <clears throat> yeah, anyways, Davey and I had that in common. At the very least, we loved, like, the same music for sure. And he was turning me on to some good stuff. So I, my, my bad, really, really bad phase of music started to get a little bit better. And, yeah, because it was pretty, it was bad, dude. It was pretty bad. So, you know, we played a couple things around. We played parties here and there. Um, I think we played a show at Off the Record when there was one in Encinitas, downtown Encinitas. And all the while, like I said, I, we were pretty new, and I'm, I'm not using that as justification, but we were also pretty horrible. I think kind of Davey was the saving grace of the band. Like, he was the one that actually sounded good. The rest of us sounded, like, sounded horrible, uh, especially when we played live, man, because I had no show live playing experience or whatever and that everybody's got to go through that learning process where you you get better at playing live like i just didn't have the strength i don't know whatever man i'm making excuses and that's not cool so let's move on to uh one of my favorite experiences of the young tilt wheel shall we call this you know oh yeah and you know one other thing naming the band tilt wheel the first name of the band i believe was Shadowbox. Uh, Damon was in charge of naming the band and I think we went through a few other names before we settled on Tilt Wheel and the Tilt Wheel thing came about because Damon said oh well now let's call it Tilt Wheel you know and we go okay that's the old, that's it That's you're calling this band Tilt Wheel we're not changing the name again we're done we're not calling it anything else Tilt Wheel even though it's like a silly name or whatever uh that's it. You're not changing the name of this band again because you can't fucking decide what to call this band, you know? So we're like, okay, Tillwheel, done. You can't change it. 
and he didn't. He didn't really get a chance to, and I'll touch on that later too. So we, Damon hooked us up. He had a lot of a lot of contacts in the skateboarding community. Damon Damon hooked us up with a show like a benefit for a skate park for building a skate park in the city of Phoenix through a, a skate shop in the city of Phoenix, and it was a pretty big show. I think Face to Face played it. Uh, it was pretty rad. I mean, and at the time, Face to Face was kind of just starting out, but they were also like exploding. They were getting huge, you know? So we drive out to Phoenix. Actually, we drove up to Santa Barbara, played at a party um, with Everetti. And Everetti was a rad band from East County, San Diego, that was around from like those times, like the early 90s until like the late 90s, I believe, um, that Davey ended up playing bass in at one point like those are the great ever Eddie years ever Eddie was always like a pretty great band honestly but regardless we drove up with them there we go regardless again Jesus like dude I gotta like every time I say something like that I need to slap myself and then I'll that'll you'll stop saying it right uh played a party in Santa Barbara drove from Santa Barbara to Phoenix Damon couldn't go to play this show now Damon had to travel a lot for work and that was like I, th- I think he set the whole thing up, and he was like, oh, but I can't go, so you guys are going to have to play without a singer. And we're like, no. There were some people that we were friends with, like this dude, Brian Barber, who was a pro skater, or working his way up to being a pro skater at the time. Um, and also an old, old friend, Matt Lorenz, who's another old Vista skater dude. He's a super, super cool dude. Both really cool. Barber would just come to our practices and steal all the beer that me and Davey bought and steal my cigarettes like you know total freeloader but he was like 16 or 15 or something but barber and matt lorenz went with us um and the plan was to have them you know one or both of them kind of fill in on the vocals i think barber was the one that was gonna no but the lorenz was the one that was going to be the main vocalist barber took over for him because he didn't like the way he was singing or something i don't know so we go drive out to this show in phoenix and they put us up in this hotel called the Kona Tiki, which is out by the airport. And we roll up, and it's an old school, like, 50s tiki hotel. Like, really cool-looking place. You know, we check in, and all right, cool. Here we are, man. Woo, party. First time we I had ever gone out of town for a show. First time, I think, for all of us, really. Um, maybe not Davey. Davey had been in other bands before and stuff. But me and Aaron, for sure, that was our first trip out of town with a band. Um so we're at this hotel. Slowly but surely, uh, the hotel started filling up with uh, ladies of the night. And that's, you know, a polite way of saying prostitute, apparently. Um, and they're, you know, people who who take the money that the, the ladies make. Um, but more popularly known as pimps. And... It got pretty sketchy, man. They were like eyeing our equipment, like, "Oh, what do you guys got in your room there?" You know, these these dudes were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, let's check this out." You know, because we had all amps and all my drums and like all of our stuff with us. And finally, we go, "Dude, okay, we got to get out of this place." Like the the ladies kept coming in and out of our room and like trying to get us to hang out with them. Which you know, that's an, again, that's a polite way of saying they wanted us to pay them to have sex with them. That is, after all, their job. Um, in that line of work, that's what you do. So if you didn't know that, you're welcome. Um, so, yeah, it got a little sketchy. We loaded up. They actually didn't, like, try and physically stop us, but they definitely, the uh, 
the pimp gentleman came up to us and said like hey don't leave man we're just the party's just getting started and i was like oh fuck no the party's over for us that we're gone so we called the lady who put us on the show and said hey we got to get out of this place you know this is gnarly and she's like oh my god it it looks like such a cool hotel i i can't believe i had no idea you know and i think she meant it she was a super nice lady i wish i could remember her name because she was an incredibly nice person so she got us another hotel room so our first show out of town and we're living like kings you know the promoters like putting us in a hotel and like wow you know when the last time that happened well uh i shouldn't say you know we had a pretty good trip a while ago where andy and now andy's a, a a prominent feature in the life and times of Tilt Wheel. I'm sure we'll be talking about him at some point because he's also one of the craziest people I've ever met. But I love him to death. Don't think I'm saying anything bad. That's that's Andy. He's a wonderful person. Um, yeah, he took really good care of us on a tour to the Pacific Northwest a couple of years ago. So, But, you, you know, I always look back on this very tr- first trip out of town and go, man, we got treated great. I think they paid us. I mean, and we were a horrible band, and they treated us like kings. So we got second hotel room, went to the show the next day, uh, played really bad. So we played so bad, the sound guy was laughing at me when we were done. He was like, oh, oh, oh my God, like, you guys are awful. I think he said something like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. You are. You're 100% right. Stuck around, watched face-to-face. Drove straight home. I almost crashed because I was falling asleep on the way home. And I probably had been drinking like the better part of that day and night while we were playing the show. Uh, regardless, thank God, you know, I did make it home to live and play drums another day for Tilt Wheel. But here's, this is another kind of turning point for for this band. For me, when, when we got home from that Phoenix show, I lived with my parents. Like, I was 23 really down on my luck had like a crappy job where i didn't make barely any money uh this is right after a pretty big recession too you know uh <coughs> excuse me it's time to lubricate those vocal cords like i've been talking about thanks for your patience i do appreciate it uh so i sat down at my my mom and stepdad's house the morning after we got back from phoenix and I went through every Tilt Wheel song that we had at the time in my head and, like, did this weird thing where I wrote out, like, you know, what drum parts, how I wanted to change things and, and increase the tempo and kind of, it was like a really gnarly moment in my life. I've never really done that since then, but I didn't have a copy of, I don't think I had a copy of the recording or, oh yeah, I did. No, I did. Yeah, yeah. I was listening, kind of listening to the song and then I go over the whole thing in my head and just, you know decided like no we i think i kind of rewrote some of the songs in some ways where i was like oh we should add this here like really really in depth and detailed like i have way too short of an attention span but now it's kind of like oh let's play this on this part okay good you know oh yeah by the way can you guys tell me like how to play my drums at this point because i'm too old and lazy to care now that's not really 100 percent true but it's almost true um regardless went through change it went to practice like the next week and like we completely kind of changed the whole sound of the band like we sped up that's one thing you'll notice maybe with these old songs playing in the background um they're pretty slow like they're not too quick and we sped up the songs where they needed to be sped up and like we me and aaron and davy worked together like really really well and we started to actually sound pretty good um 
that was in like summer of 93, I believe. Uh, you know, it, it's, we started it's still playing out more, but I think we only played like a party or two here and there. We didn't really do a whole lot that summer and fall, um, which leads up to kind of the end of the Damon era, you know, um, is fast approaching here. But l- let me also offer this little tidbit of information about our time, um, with Damon then we didn't have titles or names for any of the songs and we kind of still really don't you know there are official titles but this the birth of the band is this like a tradition that we always kind of carried on is at the very beginning all the songs were numbers it was like number one number two number three four blah 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 and I think we got up to like with the first recording I think we got up to like number six or something I don't think we had like a seven we had an eight but it got changed to eight and a half then we had like i think we did have a nine i know we had a 10 because we ended up combining song number 12 into number 10 so it was called 12 into 10 um now i think we just we went through a period like when we were playing with ross where we used all like hand signs and we still kind of do that a little bit and also all the songs have like one word names like you know if if the name of the song or the lyric is in it like we have a brand new song called that we call fishing i have no idea what the actual title of the song is and i think that's where it started was way way back when so uh so here we're you know we got more we had a few more songs we had some shows under our belt we would have been having a pretty good time um we were starting to get a little frustrated with the way damon sang because it you know if you'll notice it's not exactly perfect i'm trying to be a little diplomatic here i think damon tried and again dude damon was an awesome dude man he was a really really cool guy he got us together um he worked hard for us you know he tried to get shows and him and him and davy both worked on shows for us um you know damon's he's a hell of a guy he really is um but man it was time for him to go because it just wasn't working out very good um Damon's last day in Tilt Wheel was an interesting thing. We had planned on recording some songs that were going to go on a compilation called Volume uh, for a record label called Liquid Meat. Now, Liquid Meat were some friends of Davey from Palomar College when he was there, uh, Tim and Molly. And I think that was their very first release, but it was going to be a really cool comp. There was a band called Ashes Dust on there, which is my old buddy Mark Hostetter and Mario Rubacaba playing drums. A super, super awesome band. Also, my friend Joe Halliday, I think, played bass for him at the time. Um, and Joe's a great bass player, great kid, love him still. You know, haven't seen him in a few years, but he's an awesome dude. Um, yes, it, uh, also, I believe it was Hemlock, which is Chris Prescott's band of Tanner and Fishwife. And now, lately, of, like, No Knife and uh, Pinback and some other bands. Chris Prescott, also a hell of a dude, really helped me out today. I'm going to bump him real quick. Bump. Stupid word. Sorry. Shouldn't have said that. Uh, Prescott helped me with some audio stuff today. Fantastic dude. One of the nicest dudes in the entire world. Chris Prescott, everyone. Let's give him a hand. Okay, very good. Uh, Moving on back to, I should say not on. Let's move back to Damon's final day in Tilt Wheel. Uh... <clears throat> we had a recording scheduled on a day. It was like early winter, I think. Or no, not early winter. I, should, I think it was like January or February of um, 
94. And we had a recording scheduled at a studio down in Spring Valley to record stuff for this volume comp. And we had kind of been toying with the idea of Davey singing, and Davey was like, I'll do it, you know, and getting rid of Damon. So we met at Aaron's parents' house at the racquetball court to get all of our stuff to go down to Spring Valley to record. And we were all sitting there kind of waiting for Damon, and we go, you know what, let's not record with him. I just, It's going to not sound good and I think you know we let's Davey you should sing man let's get let's get rid of Damon it sucks and it's not cool and he started the band and here we are we're gonna be the assholes that kick him out and um, so we go okay yeah the three of us Aaron Davey and I go okay yeah he's out it sucks but he's out no oh Aaron by the way you need to call him and let him know me and Davey are like fuck that I'm not gonna call him you call him so Aaron went in his house, called him, and came back out and said, like, all right, he's out. Well, let's go. Let's go record. And we did. Volume recordings were done that day. Truly, like, a new birth for Tilt Wheel. Pretty fantastic. If there's time on this podcast, I'll play the, one of the songs from the volume comp recordings, which were pretty good. Really reverby, but pretty good. Um so that's it for the first part of Tilt Wheels history. You know, you you heard it here first or last or whatever. Uh, yeah, we kicked out the guy who started our band, and here we are 27 and a half years later still going. Um, so thanks for listening to the podcast tonight. I appreciate it. Um, the history of Tilt Wheels is a pretty important story for me to tell because it's been a big, huge part of my life for so long. Like, the like it's it's been awesome i'm still in i mean i'm still going we're still writing songs doing stuff that's got to say something you know um before i go though i would like to say a quick shout out in a way uh, again shout out is a word that i hate but i used it and you know i should probably punch myself in my own face for doing that um the band hidden spots have a record out called new me new you i know the vinyl version is on dead broke records thank you mike Bruno of Dead Broke Records for releasing this because this is my favorite goddamn record of the 21st century. It is so good. If you get a chance, buy it, download it, do whatever. Just make sure Bruno gets his money because he's a solid dude, man. He is one of the best dudes in the world. So, um, yep, Hidden Spots. The record is New Me, New You. Give it a listen. You know, I'm waiting for them to give me the green light to play some of their music on the podcast, and hopefully I'll be able to do that soon because they are incredible one of the the literally like i'm not kidding my favorite one of the best records of uh you know the 21st century so thanks for listening guys have a good night and i will talk to you hopefully next week